live from Studio B in Athens, Ohio. You're listening to Sports Beat on WOUB 1340 AM with Caleb McCluskey, Alex McKaylee, Shane I'm Tanner Watts. And I am your host, ladies and gentlemen, Darius Sethna. We've got a great week of sports action for you. First, we're going to talk about high school hoops with hardwood heroes. We're also going to reflect on both the men's and women's basketball seasons here at Ohio University as their regular years come to a close. Also going to keep you updated with softball highlights. We're going to go over the football schedule as the team begins their spring practices. Also going to get you caught up with the NHL trade deadline, NFL free agency, and of course NBA news as the playoffs are only weeks away. First, guys, let's start off with Hardwood Hoops and Tanner. You had some players you wanted to mention in con- and, and congratulate for their work over the season. So what's up with that? So, yeah, Tara Taylor was able to make the all-second all second team in the state. It was followed by her teammate, Mackenzie Soprano, with, on the all-third team. Mackenzie Hurd also made the team. Mackenzie Hurd played the last month on a torn ACL and was still putting up buckets and made the – a special mentions team. If she didn't get hurt, she probably gonna made the third team. But I'm surprised Kara Taylor didn't make the first team. Honestly, she was a lockdown player. She held the the player of the year was Emily Cecil for Division Four. She locked her down. Emily Cecil scored six points that game between Buckeye Central and Waterford. And yeah, well, overall, just. The talent level that you guys covered, even at the high school level here in Southeast Ohio, what a last couple of months it has been with Hardwood Heroes. And before you know it, Gridiron Glory is going to be right around the corner and we're going to be covering high school football again. So congrats to those players for sure. What an amazing accomplishment. Let's stick with basketball, move up a level. We're going to talk about Ohio women's basketball. CeCe Hooks played her final game a few nights ago, but it wasn't the result you were hoping for. Women's team competing in the NIT against South Dakota State University and got absolutely destroyed, guys. They lost by 30 points. We saw the score for this a few days ago. And how about this? Ohio out-rebounded. 50-31 50-31 to 31 against South Dakota State. Erica Johnson with a pretty terrible night. Only five points, one of nine from three. It just, it was an absolute conundrum from the start. So, Caleb, I'll start with you. Your thoughts on, on this game? Yeah, Darius, I'm pretty sure that we mentioned this game last week, but I'm pretty sure none of us expected this bad of an outcome. And looking at the, like, the quarter sheet I'm seeing that out of all four quarters like don't get me wrong like Ohio State never got out beaten in a quarter by no greater than 10 which is okay but they didn't lead in any of the quarters like it was 14 12 13 18 for Ohio and then South Dakota had 22 16 21 and 28 but just getting South Dakota State seems like a great team, but I think we just didn't expect this out of a loss. Alex McKalick, 
you have some thoughts on this team. I know we've been talking these last couple of weeks about them. Your thoughts specifically on this game, because it was not pretty. So one of the things we talked about last week was CC Hooks isn't going to be there next year, right? So we're going to need someone to step up, and we all thought that person will be Erica Johnson. And if this game shows you anything, it will not be good for the women's Bobcats next year. You think I mean, it could have just maybe been a bad night? It could have been a bad night very well, but if you wanted to take the narrative that this is going to transition next year, 2 for 13 from uh, the field and then 1 for 9 from 3 is a very, very bad thing. I mean, five points, two for 13, that's not great. And we thought, we were talking about it, she's a good Robin this year. We're going to see if she'll be the Batman next year. But if this game transitions to next year and she does become the Batman and wants to become the number one option, it's not going to look good. And and there was all their stars had a good night. Yaya Felder, the freshman, 10 for 14, very, very efficient, 20 points. So, I mean, there's still hope. But, again, if we were talking about if she wants to become the number one scoring option, this was not a great game for her. Guys, what should our expectations be next year for this Bobcats team? Obviously, CC Hooks is going to be gone. Alex just talked about Erica Johnson needing to take that next step. So with that all being said, we don't know if Bob Bolden will be back next year. What should we expect from the women's team moving forward? Caleb, we'll start with you. Um, I think I'm going to have to agree with what Alex just said about Erica Johnson, but... I think we should not have as high expectations as we're thinking just because of how much star power this women's team is going to be losing next year. So that's probably going to have to be my take. I mean, wasn't the women's team was predicted to win the entire MAC this year, and they barely squeaked their way into the playoffs, lost to Kent State in the first round, or Toledo, Toledo, excuse me. Sorry about that. Lost to Toledo in the first round, and... Uh, Alex, what do you have to say about? Uh, for expectations, I would say, well, number one, I I don't think Bob Bolden will be the coach next year. I don't think you can get away with being the preseason favorite to win the entire MAC and then lose by 30 in the NIT. That's a pretty big jump from where you're supposed to be at. And um, obviously no CC. So we'll see if the, the, peop- the people on the team now, the underclassmen and the juniors, step up next year. But I think realistically – we might not even get to the MAC tournament. We might we might not be an eight seed. We might be. We might not. But I do think if Bob Bolton does um, get get let off, then it's going to be a big transition for the team. And a lot of these players have had Bolton. I know Erica's had Bolton all three or three right. of her years, and so it's going to be a big transition. But if he if he does stay, hopefully they'll bounce back. But I just don't see a way this team is competing for that one, two, three, four seed next year. Well, the Bobcats finish with an overall 15-15 and record on the season and then get bounced out in the NIT to the South Dakota State Jackrabbits by a final score of 87-57. to That's right, a 30-point loss. Sticking on the basketball side of things, guys, let's move on to the men's team who were, were, and I say were, participating in the Roman College Basketball Invitational, the CBI, over the weekend. Had a huge win this past Saturday over Rice. Can't believe I'm saying that, a one-point win against Rice, 65-64. to They then follow it up this past Monday, falling to the number six seed, 
Abilene Christian, 91 to 86 was the final score in that one. So guys, just wh- when we talk about turning the tides, I mean, thought of, think about how the Bobcats start. Looked absolutely phenomenal in MAC play. There was a time they only had two MAC losses, both were to Toledo. And then towards the end of the regular season, when it was time to get ready for the playoffs, they just completely fell apart. So I want to get your guys' take on the season, starting with you, Tanner. Your thoughts on just the collapse the men's basketball team saw towards the end of the season. Yeah, I think we just live and die by the three. We're going to have our bad shooting night, and if we're going to have a bad shooting night, it's not going to end well for us. It, we we sh- I go to the game against Abilene Christian, looking at it now, we shot 30% from three. If we're going to live and die by the three, we can't shoot 30%, frankly. We're going to have to be, imp- be better from the three. Real quick, Tanner, that is the best thing I've ever heard you say because that is so true. We are so, so reliant on the three-point shot. 18% against Rice, atrocious. And then, what did you say, 30% against Abilene Christian? I mean, yeah. that's just that's just terrible. You can't do that, right? Ben Vanderplas, usually our three-point guy, was two for six against Abilene Christian. Ben Roderick, 0 for four. Don't even get me started. Mark Sears, one for four. Tommy Schmock, three for eight. So we just didn't hit down shots. And, of course, in the Abilene Christian game, it, it's unfortunate. Jason Carter went down to injury early. But, I mean, you can't shoot 30% from three. And then even I'm surprised we won that game shooting four for 22 from three. Again, you can't. we can't live and die by the three. And how about Mark Sears, 37 points in the Albaline Al- Al- Christian game. 37 points, one steal, three assists, but he did have he did commit three turnovers. Was efficient from the field, shot 10 of 20. Definitely a bright spot all year. One of the leaders in the MAC in free throw percentage. This guy had a tremendous individual statistical year, especially his first year without Jason Preston at the helm for the Bobcats. But it's those other guys. And when I think about a down year, talk about Ben Roderick, guys. I mean, last game against Abilene Christian, just five points. And, Alex, what do you have to say about that? Because Roderick last year was so, a huge contributor, but this year he just really fell off. So I've been, a, uh, I've been to a lot of the games, right? And the number one thing I can say is I, I don't know how he has a starting job. I don't know what happened to him. I don't know if it's mental. I don't know if it's physical. But he, he just... He just can't play the game of basketball well at all, at all. I mean, he shot right his his 2019-2020 year, 37% from three. Last year, 40%. This year, 22. I mean, oh that, that's Lord. yeah. It's I don't know what happened to him. I don't know what what's going on. And then in the final loss of the game, 0 for four from three. I don't know why Jeff Bowles just doesn't like just tell him not to shoot threes. I mean, the dude had as many points as personal fouls. How how are you a starter? And, I, you know, he does, to me, Alex, obviously agree agree with that. But we have seen Ben Roderick at times, even in this season, have great games. I, I look back to that Eastern Michigan game back on February 3rd. Remember we had that crazy snowstorm and classes at OU got canceled? Ben Roderick in that game was the second leading scorer with 19 points, three threes, and shot eight of ten from the field. Right. So, so he has the ability to do it but you can't just be doing that once a year and you're you're fine so one more thing and then i'll pass it to you caleb i think if he you know if jeff bull sits him down he's like you're a good player you have a good body size you're a good player you're physical you're scrappy just don't shoot a three ball so you know if he doesn't shoot threes maybe he takes one a game max then he'll be you know more efficient 
averaging 9 to 10 points a game in the paint in the mid-range. If just we can just get it in his head, you're not a great three-point shooter, that's fine. That's not who you are. Let that go to Mark Sears or Miles Brown. You know, he's more efficient. He wouldn't go 0 for 4. He wouldn't hurt our percentage, our chances, our offense, all that. Caleb? Yeah, I'm just going to make this quick, but I've heard of a shooting slump, but I've never heard of a shooting slump year. Yeah. Like, as you just said, 22%. Yeah. Come on. We, 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 can do, we can do a little bit better than that. Do you think that means, and Tanner, I'll pass it over to you here with this one, do you think Ben Roderick should possibly come off the bench now? So answer that, and then I want to hear your, your own yeah. personal thoughts. Um, coming off the bench, it's it's going to come down. Obviously, it'll come down to Jeff Bowles, but I I don't know if you can run it back with him. You you had a really bad year, shooting twenty two percent. That's just you can't really have that. And then I was going to follow it up with what you said about the nineteen point game. You followed that up with. A, against the last team in the MAC, Western Michigan, right. with a two-point game. Yeah. Wasn't that – that was that was Sibs weekend, wasn't that? Uh, I think that was Sibs weekend, yeah, that was. first week of February, yeah. If our viewers do not know what that means, that means the students on Ohio University's campus can bring their siblings to campus for a weekend. Yes, so, yeah, thank, yeah, thank you for that yeah. clarif- clarification, <laughs> Alex. But that just overall, that, that inconsistency was really what was frustrating about, about, this, about this Bobcats team. And let's talk about, preview a little bit about next year. Tanner, I know you said a couple of weeks ago in some of our practice runs this was going to be a top 25 team. We were talking about Elmore James, who is a recruit and is going to be coming down to Athens next year to play for the Bobcats. What should our predictions be on record-wise for this year? How many games do you think we should win? What, what are your thoughts on that? So, obviously, I'm going to re- take back what I said about that. Uh, about us <laughs> being a top 25 team. No way. But I, th- I still like our recruiting class. We have a top, we have the 54th best class in the nation, which is over some of the like better teams in the nation. Like I saw Tennessee, we had a better class than them. And AJ Brown, I like a lot. A- Aiden Hathaway is going to be good. AJ Clayton is going to be good. They're going to be a solid team, but I just you could probably have a ceiling of maybe third in the MAC, probably the same place where we're at, with a floor of being like the like the seventh seed in the MAC tournament. Alex, your your thoughts on next year for the men's team? So yeah, like you said, AJ Brown, he's the uh, highest recruit in history. Uh, he's the uh, 23rd best shooting guard, 182nd national player almost a 90 on the uh, 247 sports composite rating 64170 so I think he'll bring a lot of the offense back you know he, he might um, he might run the three maybe, maybe the two and see what uh, Miles Brown does if Ben Roddick doesn't start but I mean you know you got a good guy you know he got an offer from Alabama made the tournament Clemson made the tournament last year Penn State was a 500 team so like he's getting he, he, he's getting looked at you know he's a very good player and then um there's a player from Cleveland. I'm not sure what high school is. His name's Elmore James. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, that's what I, I mentioned that earlier. Yeah. From uh, can't can't remember the name of my yeah. head either. Um, but yeah, he got um, the. There's a Cleveland newspaper or something. Herald, I want to say the Plain Dealer. Or yeah, it might the be that. Dealer. Like yep. Player of the Year for the Cleveland yes. area. So that's that's big for him too. And and I know uh, one of our former or one of our colleagues at WB, Grayson Wolf. He told me once he played against them. 
and he's like the best player he's played against in out high of, school. Out of Brush High School. Yeah. In he, Gra- Cleveland Grayson era. told me that um, he told me Elmore James was like the best player he played against in high school. Speaking of Elmore James, do we possibly because he is plays more of a guard position, he's a shooting guard. Could we see him possibly being in the starting lineup? Maybe not opening night, but a couple games down the line. Because Miles Brown, really more of a 3 and D kind of guy. Could we see Elmore James and Mark Sears in that starting backcourt next year? Shane, want to get your thoughts on that. I think, honestly, if we don't improve the way we need to over this offseason, then yes, absolutely. I think if people aren't stepping up to the roles they should be in, then abs- by the end of the season, you will see them in the starting lineup. No question. And I, I like thinking about the duo of him and Sears because I think they could do some magic together. Right. But, yes, I would say by the end of the season, you'll see him in the starting lineup. And that does it more for uh, our men's basketball coverage. We're going to get to the NBA a little bit, so don't stop dribbling that basketball in your brain. want to move it over to Ohio University softball real quick and Tanner I'm, I'm gonna get your thoughts starting with this first the team played host to Ohio State yesterday in in Athens and couldn't get the result a six to one loss for the Ohio Bobcats after a 10 to two win in Buffalo this past Saturday as part of a triple header in upstate New York but Bobcats return home and can't get the job done Six to one loss. Tanner, want to get your thoughts on these last few games for the for the Bobcats? Yeah, so that Ohio State game, it wasn't the prettiest. I don't think a lot of us expected us to win win it, but I think we could have had a, a better performance overall. I mean, we had a it was all right from us. We we held a Power Five team in the nation to six runs through seven innings, which I I I can appreciate definitely, and. We were, we've held we've done it in the past too with against Kentucky, we held our own against Georgia, twice actually, so we had a solid performance at the best, but it was wasn't what the fans wanted obviously. Alex, uh yeah I agree with what you said. You know we held our own I guess against Georgia. We lost two to six, not getting blown out, and then lost one to six. But you like I, I think I said something about this last week. Ohio State's just going to recruit better, all this stuff better. And that's not a knock on us. It's just they're a harder team to beat. And I wasn't there, but I heard it was a bit rough. Um, looks like we uh, were down early, and uh, we just kind of, we scored one run in, in our in the fourth inning, and then they just kind of had their runs spaced out throughout the game. So, looking ahead in the Bobcats' schedule, currently they sit with an overall record of seven and fifteen. They're one and two against MAC opponents. They have a huge weekend homestand against Bowling Green starting on Friday at 3 p.m. Then they have a doubleheader Saturday. Those games are at 1 and 3 p.m. all at the softball field on the on Ohio University's campus in Athens. What should we expect from the Ohio Bobcats as they take on Bowling Green this weekend? Caleb? Um, I would hope 
since many people here on campus suggest that Bowling Green is technically our rival just because of how much competition we've had with them in the past and even now in the present. I would least like to see them win one of these games and whichever one they decide to win, I would hope it's a good one. But I think maybe this could be another close game as well, especially with what we've done against Ohio State, Kentucky, and Georgia. But that how would be my take on it. And Bowling Green comes in to, will come into the weekend with a 13-7 and overall record, 1-2 and two in the MAC Conference, so a similar record as Ohio in that respect. And they're coming off a win at home against Northern Illinois, 7-3. to three. So, Alex, the Bobcats are definitely going to be in for a challenge. Yeah, so uh, um, you said uh, what needs to happen to get, get the wins. Um, I'm looking at the box score for the Buffalo games. It looks like, pardon me if I'm wrong, um, uh, her name is Caro Spacek, Spacek, pardon me if I'm wrong. Spacek, yeah. Spacek. Yeah, it looks like she had a, what, a couple hits, couple runs in the last du- Buffalo win, and then in the 2-3 loss she had a couple runs. So, you know, she didn't get anything going last night. Last night it was just Tori Walker had the hit and the score. But um, look for her to get going. Obviously, past couple games she's been hitting a lot, hitting well, getting on base. So definitely look for her to keep going. Three very important games for the Ohio Bobcats this weekend, ladies and gentlemen. They take on Bowling Green at 3 p.m. Friday and then have a doubleheader on Saturday against the Bowling Green Falcons. Game one at 1 p.m. with the second game being at 3 p.m. Moving on, guys, we're going to talk about Ohio football. It's springtime and we're talking about football. Well, that's because the Ohio football team has begun their spring training, getting ready for their schedule next year. Let's talk about that schedule. So the Bobcats this year, pretty mediocre, 3-9 and nine overall record. I'm sorry for bringing these memories back to you. I know you wanted to forget them over winter break and the fall semester. But it's that, it's, that time is coming again, guys. Open up, they open up their year at home against Florida Atlantic. And how about this, guys? They then have two back-to-back road games at Penn State and at Iowa State. I mean, you've got it. I mean, what a tough start to the schedule, especially for a team that finished 3-9 and nine last year. So overall, guys, just wanted to get your thoughts. Any games that you have circled on your calendar for next year, whether it's those first three games I mentioned or any of the other MAC games, Alex? Yeah. Um. Yeah. Obviously, realistically, I don't think we're going to be able to compete with Penn State or Iowa State. Um, Penn State just got a lot better. I, I've been following their recruits and stuff. They got a really good player, really good quarterback. Um, same with Iowa State. They're going to lose their running back, Brock Purdy, but they're still going to be obviously a Big 12 team and a Big 10 team. Um, but one of the games I have circled is Kent State might be a um, might be a win there. Um, they have one of their – I don't know their quarterback's name off the top of my head, but their quarterback is on um, NFL Draft's big board. It, it He's lower down the list. He might not even get drafted or signed. Um, so uh, if he doesn't, you know – uh, or if he does, sorry, if he does, you know, they might be with a younger quarterback, unexperienced, and we're going to see him uh, early in the season. They'll be our first MAC game. We'll be their first MAC game. 
So, you know, first MAC game, uh, emotions are high. That could be a game for the Bobcats to start the season well in the MAC win column. Yeah, Tanner, the, you know, as I mentioned, four, first four games against non MAC opponents, those two road games are definitely going to be tough for the Bobcats. Yeah, the FAU game and Fordham game, if we're looking at the positive, yeah, they're kind of winnable for us. We might be able to come out with it. But also, Alex, I want to say that Dustin Crum was their starter last year, and he's a senior. So he, oh. Yeah. yeah. So, so they're, they're running out with someone yeah, new. Yeah. But overall, it kind of seems like an all right schedule. Like, we have a tough game against Northern Illinois, who just went to the MAC championship. We got Western Michigan, who, who won't have Sky Clark anymore, so we don't know who is going to be their main target next year is. We got Buffalo, who we just barely lost to. It came down to a game-winning field goal last year. Ball State, another going to be a tough one. Then we close the year with a Bowling Green game, which is a winnable game for us, obviously, which we could win. And we also have our main rival, the Battle of the Bricks, against the Miami Red Hawks. In Oxford, on yeah. the road. It'll be a tough one, but we might we can probably pull it out. Caleb, your thoughts on the OU football schedule for this year? Um, I actually want to talk about a little bit about the Miami game a little bit more. So, for the people at home, I want you to realize that Miami did not score in the first half last year against the Bobcats. They scored 13 in the third and then 20 in the fourth. And Ohio beat them by two. So... I don't know, guys. Is that just a luck scenario that we're looking at from last year, or does Ohio actually pull out that game? Because I would hope that they can pull out that game, but since it's on the road, I don't know. In reality, I think Ohio got pretty lucky. I mean, they had a phenomenal start in that game, but then they just didn't sustain it for the second half, and they were lucky to be as up by as many as they were, and especially having the home crowd on their side. I don't see how really we can get that win in Miami. That's probably going to be the toughest. Maybe a, I don't know if this is going to be a hot take or not. The Miami game is going to be the toughest Matt game of the year yeah, that's, for Ohio. Yeah, that, that's possible. That's valid. Yeah. Um, and I just want to say something, right? We all know, or yeah, we all know the one the one position in football that matters almost the most, pretty much the most, is the quarterback position. And last year, it was um, Tim Albin was kind of split on who he had. It was either Armani Rogers. Or Curtis Rourke, um, and uh, this year or last year, Armani Rogers was the redshirt fifth year, and we all know he got on Sports Center ESPN ninety nine yard touchdown run. I think it was right longest in uh, and, and longest yeah. in NCAA history yeah, for mm-hmm. a quarterback. Yeah, so uh, this year the quarterback position is Curtis Rourke's to lose. So we'll see he, what, what he can do. He's a redshirt sophomore last year. We'll see what he can do. I know he had some rough games, and Armani Rogers had to come in. But Armani Rogers wasn't really a thrower, and Curtis Rourke is more of a pocket passer. Armani Rogers is more of a rusher. So we'll see uh, how Curtis Rourke can do in this year. It's definitely going to be an interesting season, guys, for sure. As I mentioned, Ohio begins their regular season on September 3rd. That's a Saturday against Florida Atlantic right here in Peden Stadium in Athens. Moving on to professional sports, let's talk about the NHL and the Columbus Blue Jackets, who did not have a great night last night, coming off a 5-1 loss against the Pittsburgh Penguins. 
on the road. The, uh, the Blue Jackets faced off against St. Louis on Saturday, won that one by the skin of their teeth, 5-4. to four. Then they come out yesterday, just did not bring that same energy from the start, losing 5-1. to one. They also had uh, made a trade at the deadline. So, Tanner, I'm going to get your th- thoughts first on the Blue Jackets. Overall, first, what do you think about these last couple of games? And then your thoughts on their trade last week. Yeah, so obviously the uh, Blues was a nice win for us. Like they just won the Stanley Cup just a few years back, and the, including the uh, Golden Knights, who was overall has been a solid team since they've entered the NHL. But we are just a lackluster team. Like we'll have our a nice win once in a while against like the Blues, the Golden Knights, and then I, I against the Panthers too, a six three win, a seven three win over the Sabers, a win over the Maple Leaves. But then we'll go out and lose seven to two against against the Capitals, five one against the Penguins. We just gotta have find some type of consistency at this team. We we have our guys. We know who we're relying. We we know Elvis Merzelkins is a solid goaltender. Patrick Laine, who has had a, had an amazing February, had a, I think it was hot throughout the entire month. Who even won I think. The two-star player of the month, which is a really high honor for the NHL, but it just it just come down to consistency. Like we have to find some type of a consistency to win and pull out these games, especially against division rivals in the Metro. Alex wanted to get your thoughts on their games real quick. Then I think we should, we'll talk about their their trade for sure last week. Yeah, so um, I think Tanner did. Um, justice on their games right very inconsistent and uh, a lot of either blowout wins blowout losses seven to two big loss five one big loss six four solid win but I just want to talk about um Patrick Lynette yeah so right last year when uh the Pierre-Luc Dubois for Lynette trade went through a lot of it was are we going to get Lynette back to the player he was and last year he didn't have a great season but this year he's been phenomenal right as Tanner said February one of the players of the month He's uh, um, tied for leading the team in points, 25 goals, 23 assists. That's huge. And then the other play I want to say is Jacob Vorchek. Uh, there was a lot of heat on the Jackets for acquiring him. Uh, 32 years old. He's old. But get this, four goals, 42 assists. So obviously we know what he does to the team. Leads the team in assists by far, almost by 20. So he's a really good pickup for the Jackets. So I think you know, we have our stars, we have our players, but again, it's all about consistency, and that's something we got to work on. And the uh, the NHL trade deadline was this past Monday. Blue Jackets made a trade. It's a three-team deal, actually. They traded away Max Max Domi. They received a they traded a draft pick as well. They received uh, Aiden Hrayshuk. I apologize if I mispronounce the names, but Tanner, we were talking about this earlier. You weren't really impressed with this trade, so I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, I I don't know how to really feel about it. I, yeah, we got a, a, a prospect who's playing in the, in the NCAA right now who had, through 37 games, had eight points with Boston University, which is a great university, and for a player like him, that's all right. And he was a fifth round, a third, sorry, third round draft pick, but I don't think it justifies trading Max Domi. I mean, I, yeah, I get what you probably want to rebuild and rely on the younger guys some more, but trading Max Domi, who's he had he's had down here since 
being traded to Columbus, but like he's still one of the top, one of the better guys we had on this team. And if we're gonna want to compete this year, possibly we have a winning record as of right now. I said yeah, 32, 29 and three. Like if we're gonna want to compete, we could have, we probably should have kept Max Domi or traded him for something better. Yeah, I would just a third round pick. Yeah, I was gonna say I agree with you. I mean, this. What do you say? You said it's eight points in thirty-seven games. That's. I mean, Max Domi has thirty-two points in fifty-three games, and what I'm looking at is the plus-minus for the ice time. Uh, he's one of the only players on the team with a plus ice time. He's at plus two. A lot of those other players, uh, like I just said, Line A uh, is minus three. Vorchek is minus nine. Yorkstrand is minus twenty-three. So a plus-two ice rating. When he's on the ice, they're scoring goals and they're not dropping goals. So that's a that stat right there really stands out to me. That's going to be missed in the Jackets' locker room. The Columbus Blue Jackets sit with a record of 32-29-3, and three, as Tanner mentioned earlier. How about this, guys? Only four wins in their last ten games. They're really going to need to pick up the pace here. Blue Jackets' next game will be Friday, March 25th, as they take on the Jets, and then they will be going up against the Minnesota Wild in St. Paul, Minnesota on Saturday. Game time for that one is at 8 p.m. So Blue Jackets really going to have to step it up. As I mentioned, only four wins in their last 10 games. Guys, let's move on to NFL free agency. And the Cleveland Browns, my hometown Browns, signing Deshaun Watson to, how about this, five years, $230 million. I was actually preparing to go on Newswatch when I was doing the show. Newswatch is our local student-run news production here at WOUB at Ohio University. When I was planning for the show, that's when I got the news and the rumors that Deshaun Watson was planning on signing with Cleveland, then did a little bit more research. $230 million contract for five years. This really has shaken up the AFC North guys and that that division. Guys, I wanted to get your thoughts on the AFC North now because we have Cincinnati, who just went to the Super Bowl, Joe Burrow at quarterback, the free agency moves they've been making. Pittsburgh has signed Mitch, Mitchell Trubisky, so now you have a veteran guy at quarterback with some of the talent they have at wide receiver and that strong defense as well. Then you've got Baltimore with Lamar Jackson coming back healthy. I feel like if there's one guy in the NFL who can win the games by himself, it's Lamar Jackson. And then finally, the Cleveland Browns, who just received Amari Cooper and just traded for Deshaun Watson, barring they did give up their entire future for that. But, Shane, I'm going to start with you. Your thoughts on the AFC North right now who is the best quarterback in the AFC North and who do you have winning the division I mean it call it all comes out of good old Cincinnati I mean you look at this division and when you're thinking of best quarterback it's clearly Joe Burrow I mean he as of right now it's Joe Burrow doing what he did last year I think is arguably better than anything Deshaun Watson has done and Deshaun Watson hasn't played in a year and Joe Burrow in the year he didn't play went to a Super Bowl so clearly it's Joe Burrow. And then, I mean, this division, first off, don't expect anything out of the Steelers. Like, yes, okay, they got Mitch Trubisky. They lost the th- 
three best wide receivers in free agency. They're all gone. So they have nobody outside of Najee to catch passes, and they yeah. got rid of Eric Ebron. So they have nobody except Najee and Fryermuth. Baltimore, we'll see if they can stay healthy to start. I think it comes clear out of Cincinnati. Between the, the Bengals and the Browns, guys, I mean, that, that's, that's where I'm at right now. I, believe, I truly believe the Battle of Ohio is really on when it comes to the AFC North. Alex, you're a Bengals fan. Your thoughts on the look of the AFC North now? Just real quick, when Shane was saying that, me and Tanner had an eye look. Tanner, you think what I'm saying? Yeah. Say it. Uh, Deontay Johnson. Deontay Johnson. He had over 100 receptions this year. Yeah, but when the number one corner locks him down, you got no one else. Yeah, but they didn't lose him. He had 100 yeah. receptions this year. I did forget about him. But they still, <laughs> I mean, when you lose Juju, James Washington, and Ray Ray McLeod all in free agency. Yeah, you're right about that. You're left with one person. You're not going to do much. I, I mean, mean, Chase Claypool, to me, is a oh, very, no, very talented. Too. If he doesn't celebrate every time he does a first down, yeah. I think the Steelers definitely have some some hope there. Because, you know, Claypool, you just his size and his catching ability, just overall his athleticism, absolutely phenomenal athlete it's just the decision making and what it seems like to be the maturity level remember last year he also recommended that the Steelers play music and practice yeah. after they lost by like 30 to the Bengals I will say real quick I did forget about those two it does not change my opinion fair enough fair <laughs> yeah. enough I just I just I just had a look with Tanner I'm like uh Deontay yeah. Johnson much um your question about the Bengals yeah I, I agree with Shane I think they're the best team they're the team to be it's their division to lose um we were talking about it before the show. Uh, we think that Deshaun Watson will at least get suspended a couple games. We think at least six or something like right. that. So that they're going to – and they just lost Case Keenum. I don't even know who their third string is. But he'd have to be their starter for the first couple games. And, uh, yeah, you know, Bengals in free agency, they've done a lot. They've, they've brought in O-line. Um, Browns in free agency, they've done a lot. I'm not sure how I feel about the uh, fully guaranteed $230 million contract. Do you think it's possible that Baker Mayfield now, who used to be the Browns' starting quarterback, who actually wanted to go to Indianapolis, that was his first choice once the Watson news came in, then Indianapolis signs Matt Ryan from the Atlanta Falcons. So where does Baker Mayfield go now from here? You know, does he Is he a backup for the Browns? Shane, what are your thoughts on that one? Uh, I will say, first off, the Browns did sign Jacoby Brissett as their third string. Um, I really thought Baker was going to Indy. I really thought they were going to put send him there. I Here's the thing. I see him as a backup, not in Cleveland. I see him as, oh, our starting quarterback got hurt. We need a quick fix. We're trading for Baker. Because it's something that I've thought about since this trade. People trade for the people they want when they want them. And the fact that it's been this long and Baker has only heard rumors from Seattle and Carolina shows there's not a market for Baker. Well, if he goes to Seattle or Carolina, we're assuming that he's going to be the starting quarterback, yeah. for either, especially Seattle, because Seattle just lost Russell Wilson. Yeah. The only competition would be Carolina, where he would compete with Sam Darnold and maybe Cam, but he could beat both of them because he's honest. At this point, Baker's better than both of them. Yes. A healthy Baker is better than both of them. But showing that there's not really a market for Baker shows nobody wants him. So I could see it being he's going to sit on the bench in Cleveland until some quarterback gets hurt and they're like, we need a fix. We're going and getting right. Baker for a seventh-round pick. Tanner. So I just want to go back to your original question about the AFC North. 
I think it's going to be a three-team race. You got the healthy Ravens who are riddled with injuries last year. Cleveland, who just acquired Amari Cooper and Deshaun Watson, and be a solid team. Pittsburgh, I think, will be finishing last. But there, I think there's a reality that Bengals finish third in the division. Well, have, uh, yeah, sorry, have, sorry. They have an absolute brutal away schedule with the, probably the worst team they play on the road. That's not a division team. Maybe the it's obvious. Oh yeah, it's obviously the Jets. But the second, but they have a brutal schedule next year with like the Bills, Cowboys. They're obviously their division, Chiefs, Bucks, Titans. That's yeah. rough. Yeah, it's going to be a really interesting division this year. Last year, Bengals finished first in the AFC North with, with 10 wins. Steelers finished second with nine, while the Browns and Ravens finished third and fourth, respectively, each team with eight wins. Very excited for September once we get AFC North football back and overall NFL football back. But... The NBA is here right now, guys, and this is going to be a fun topic today because we have so much to discuss. Playoffs right around the corner, only with, what, less than 20 games left for all the teams in the NBA now. Let's stick to the Cleveland Cavaliers, Ohio's NBA team. LeBron James returns to Cleveland for his third game as a Laker, and he did not disappoint, ladies and gentlemen. LeBron, the Akron native. 38 points in 41 minutes, a triple-double, that with that 38 points to go along with 11 rebounds and 12 assists. Guys, he led the Lakers in this one. He has to be at least in consideration for MVP because the Lakers right now, yes, they're 10 games below 500. They're 31 and 41. But if they did not have LeBron, guys, I get, they I tell you right now they're not 31 and 41. So, let's just recap that Lakers Cavs game real quick. Alex, first off with you. First off, uh I'm going to say something about the MVP thing. Um I do think it's a criminal shame that he's not top 10 in MVP right now. Right? You have a 37-year-old man, year 19, who if you if you click on the ESPN uh Lakers Cavs game leaders, you see his face across all three major categories. He's 37 years old. He might win the scoring title, and he's not top 10 MVP. Like, and he just passed Carl or mm-hmm. just passed Carl Malone for now second yeah. all-time leading scorer in NBA history. So he's playing at still the highest level. Like, obviously, he's a very uh, polarizing player. A lot of people have opinions on him, but if you're talking strictly basketball, right? And not top 10, top 10 with those numbers, right? He's 37 years old, people. Yeah, he's def- he has to be a top 10 MVP for sure. But to me, when we look at the this game, the team with the better record was not the Lakers. It was the Cleveland Cavaliers. And guys, you know, we all know that if, if for those of you who are new to the show, Darius Sethna, I am probably the biggest Cavs fan on the planet. I watch every game. If I can't watch a game, my entire day is ruined. When you're talking Cavaliers basketball, that is definitely my passion for sure. So I watched this game, guys, and I was actually having a pretty good Monday 
not going to lie. You know, Monday is usually a rough day, beginning of the week. You know, classes are back. But Cavs basketball against the Lakers, this was the first time in my life where I truly thought when LeBron was coming back to Cleveland, the Cavs actually had a shot to win. Me too. And yeah. the Cavs, what a start in that game. They were up 31-17. to 17, And then how about this? They concede 39 points in the second quarter and then 35 in the fourth quarter. Caleb, you know, you're, you're a big NBA guy too. Just what are your thoughts on the Cavs right now? Because they are struggling. Okay, Dora, I was looking at the stat sheet. <clears throat> um, I would say for all the starters, including LeBron, I think everybody had a decent game. Russ, and I know everybody's a pain on Russ if you're a Lakers fan out there, but he was 7-14 from the field and 2-6 from three. That's pretty good. Not so good as probably 4-7 from the free throw line, but he only had one turnover, guys, and he was a plus 23 on the floor. And for the Lakers' bench points, they were, got to do a little bit of math real quick, 40, 49 bench points. And Melo only had five. Yeah, I mean, and Melo went off a little bit in that, in, in that second quarter. He really just made big contributions, hit some back-to-back jumpers that really changed the momentum of the game. Right now, guys, Cavs sit... <clears throat> At the sixth spot in the East in the Eastern Conference, the Raptors played the Bulls Monday night. Chicago, the fifth seed. Toronto, the seventh seed. And the Bulls were able to prevail in that one. So because of that, the Cavs keep their spot in the sixth seed in the Eastern Conference. That Those seeds, seven through ten, will participate in a play-in game that is one and done so the Cavs want to try to avoid that play-in game and go to the playoffs right away with that sixth seed they have a huge game tomorrow against the Toronto Raptors the sixth and seventh seeds battling it out guys I think that this is the most important game of the entire season I really believe the Cavs season is truly on the line tomorrow night that might be a hot a hot take but your guys' thoughts on that Cavs Raptors matchup tomorrow it's on the road too uh yeah I just um, want to say uh, if the Cavs do slip into the play-in, I, I don't see a scenario where we're going to make it out of the first round. I mean, at one point, I don't think we were ever the one, but I think at one point we were the two. Uh, and I know we've been to 3-4 for, for a couple weeks, couple games, and then 5-6, and we just keep dropping. Last 10, we're 5-5 five and five now. And uh, obviously, we know over the past couple years, the league has changed. Uh, it used to be the West, very dominant, and now it's uh, the East in terms of both conferences. So um, you look at, uh, we have number one, Miami Heat. They're one of the best coach teams in the NBA. Uh, they have great players, great depth. Number two, reigning champs. Number three, Sixers, obviously just got James Harden. Number four, Celtics, nine and one in their last 10 games. Bulls are a team I do think the Cavs could match up well against. They're three and seven in their last ten, so they're kind of going through the same thing after being a one seed. They're dropping a lot, um, but yeah, I think the Toronto Raptors game is one of the biggest games, if not the biggest game of the season. Shane, your thoughts on the Cavs? Big game against the Raptors. Their their playoff hopes are kind of on the line here. Honestly, their next two games are big. They go Raptors tomorrow and then Bulls on Saturday. Yep. That's two big games in a row. One on the road, one at home. Are is it? Well, obviously it's not wrong to say, but they're both like must. Like they gotta win those games. 
which means they got to show out. And then their schedule moving forward still gets rough. I mean, they see Magic twice, Sixers, end with Bucks. Like, they have a rough schedule, but it starts with these next two games to start their momentum. Yeah, Shane, I just want to point out, when you say rough and you say Orlando Magic, probably... <laughs> I don't know anything about the NBA. Uh-huh. I'm just saying they see, uh-huh. they see uh-huh. him twice. So. Those, those should be easy wins. Dwight, yeah. You would think. Dwight Howard is, is long gone. Listen, you but, think. But, guys, here's, here's, all, here's the thing also. Look, just watching the game from a fan perspective, when I watch Darius Garland, who's deserved All-Star this year for sure, when I'm seeing him play, guys, he looks gassed. He looks tired. He just The offense relies so much on him. You got, I know you have Colin Sexton, Jared Allen out, but this the reliance that they have on him is a little bit concerning. And how about this? If the playoffs started today, guys, Cavs are facing the 76ers on the road in game one. So if there was a game seven in that series, it would be on the road in Philadelphia. Alex, I completely agree with you. This team is just not making it making it out of the first round. Yeah, so w- what you said right there about Garland gas, that has a lot to do, right? A couple weeks ago, we talked about um, Karis LeVert coming to the Cavs, and you look at his stats so far from joining, 40.5% from the field. Which Very is, disappointing. Which is not an NBA number. All the rest of his teams looks like he was 43% and above, usually in that 44 to 43%, high 43% range shooting 40.5% from the field as a guard, as someone that was supposed to make an immediate impact. That's not impressive. And obviously we know the, the Cavs' problem this year has been health of guards and kind of health in general. Sexton's been out. Uh, Levert missed a couple games. So did Garland. So Rubio got hurt, remember? Yeah. yeah. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how uh, Garland will do in the playoffs. Hopefully Levert will step it up. Not sure uh, if Jared Allen will be back, but uh, – yeah, he's definitely gassed. Levert definitely is the problem. Yeah, and here's you – know, I've, I've been talking about this for a couple weeks, but how about Isaac Okoro? Last night against the Lakers, 4 of 4 from 3. That is actually pretty impressive, guys. March 19th against the Pistons, he was 5 for 8 overall from the field. But that 4 for 4 performance from 3-point range against the Lakers, his best 3-point shooting night – of the entire month thus far. Guys, really, that that 3 and D, he is the epitome of that, guys. He needs to be that that 3 and D guy moving forward because he needs to be in the games in crunch time because of his defensive abilities. Wanted to get your thoughts on Okoro's improvement here these last couple of games. And, Caleb, I'll start with you. Um, I want to talk about the last game specifically. Um, Like, I'll give him props from – what you just said, Darius, that four for four from three, but in 29 minutes, one rebound and one assist, like the one steal is great. Like getting a steal in a game is great, like regardless, but just that, I think that's the one rebound that is kind of triggering to me just because I used to be a center when I played basketball in high school and one rebound in 29 minutes, it's, not great, and I get it that you have Stevens and Garland, Mobley, and even Kevin Love sometimes who get rebounds for you, but that's just not the greatest thing to see. Like, if I was a Cavs coach right now, I would be like, hey, Okoro, just 
do more on the glass, especially right. with the amount of time that we're giving you. So, And I think, you know, really to me, as concerning as those re- rebounding numbers are for sure, if, if, if Isaac Okoro can just play defense, get steals, and hit threes, that's all I want you to do. Please just do those three things, and the Cavs have a shot. They have a solid, solid three, three and D guy for sure. Alex. Um, so, yeah, one thing I wanted to say, add on both of you about Okoro, uh, he uh, plus minus was plus 12 highest on the team. So that, that number right there just statistically shows when he's on the court, he plays defense. He plays defense. He's going to lock up uh, a player. He's going to um, not let him score. He's going to help the team score. So I think he. I, I like his role. I, I understand one rebound is a little low, Caleb. You know, that, that should go up a bit. But in terms of where he is, I, I think he's a very good player. I like the role on his team. Most teams have a player like this. A couple years back for the Cavs, it was Matthew Delvadova played defense and stuff. So I like Okoro. Isaac Okoro has a chance to be way better than Matthew Delvadova. Yeah, he does. Just pointing yeah. that out right now. Just the athleticism and talent. But Tanner, tough schedule for the Cavs coming up here. Your thoughts overall on the team? Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be a rough way to close out the year. We have it's gonna be it's gonna be really hard. But I just want to say with, with uh, Speaking of Okoro, he, in his last 10, he's been shooting almost 50% from three. Uh, and he's been good from three since, since the All-Star break. He's, I think he's shooting like 45% somewhere around there since All-Star break, which is really good. He's, you'll have to improve. You'll have to improve somewhere else, elsewhere, to become that player we all hope he's going to be. But he's been improving his shot a lot more. I'm taking back what I said about the assist, ladies and gentlemen. Darius Garland had 17 for the game, so. I mean, yeah. that, that, and he at the end of the day, Garland is the point guard. Mm-hmm. He does have to distribute. When I saw a stat line in the game Monday night, Garland, from what I remember, is the third is it's third in triple doubles in ter- or double doubles, excuse me, in terms of points and assists. So that just shows you how much they rely on him. But also, Austin Carr mentioned this in the broadcast, the guys are knocking down those shots, giving Garland those assists. So that is def- that's something that needs to be a little bit more consistent, especially down the stretch here, especially this, this Toronto game, guys. I want to get your picks for this game because this is a huge game. North of the border, in Toronto, at Scotiabank Arena, fans finally allowed back in the stands, so Drake is probably going to be there <laughs> dancing up and down the sidelines. Your thoughts on this game tomorrow at 7.30 p.m. from Toronto? Uh, yeah, I'll say something. Um, I do think the Cavs are going to win it. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, the last time they played the Raptors, a couple weeks ago, they won? They, they won. Yeah. It was 104-96. They yeah. were up actually pretty big in that game, and then the lead dwindled down a little bit. Yeah, so I think, again, it's going to come back down to Darius Garland. I was checking out this. He's very, very close to a 50-40-90 season. He's at a 46.7, 37.2, and then he's already at 91. So that's one of the best seasons you can have for a point guard and averaging almost nine assists. I don't think the Raptors have a point guard that can match Darius Garland. Um, obviously, they have Scotty Barnes, and they also have Pascal Siakam, but... I, I think the Cavs will win this game. I think they know it means more, and I just think they have better basketball players. Caleb, your thoughts on the Cavs-Raptors game tomorrow night? I'm going to say Cleveland would win this. 
But I think it's a desperation game for all, for both teams. And even how we just mentioned the Chicago Bulls is only a game ahead of them too. So basically a loss for either the Bulls, Cleveland, or Toronto would be crucial, especially because if you get into the play-in, you're going up against Brooklyn. And obviously we know what KD has done in all of his time on the court, but going up against Brooklyn in the play-in is not a good scenario for any of these teams. Shane, big game tomorrow. Your thoughts on this one? So personally, I think the Cavs will win. But for the sake of being different, I'm going to say the Raptors. Oh, Lord. (laughs) Just for the sake of being different so we have a little something. I mean, I've seen a lot of teams, desperate teams at home, it's a good make to win a game. So I I see it being close. I'm secretly taking How close? How close? Uh, Let's see. First game was 104-96. I'm going to say 102-100. Well, last time Cavs were in Toronto, just a bit of a recap here. That was back all the way back in November. Darius Garland with a couple of game-winning free throws to secure a 102-101 win for the Cavs. That was the last time the Cavs were in Toronto, and what a game that was. I remember uh, getting off of my couch and literally jumping around because of how tight (laughs) that game was guys but the Cavs right now sit sit 41 and 31 in the NBA with their record sixth in the Eastern Conference a huge game tomorrow against the Toronto Raptors that game will begin at 7 30 p.m. you're not going to want to miss it well guys thank you ladies and gentlemen for tuning in guys thank you so much for joining us as well well that was it i'm your host and producer darius sethna taylor burnett is our editor and technical assistant and you can catch us here on thursdays at nine on woub 1340 am and online on apple Podcasts, spotify or soundcloud from Sportsbeat, I am your host, Darius Sethna, followed along with Caleb McCleskey, Alex McCalick, Shane Scalfaro, Tanner Watts. And thank you so much for joining us, ladies and gentlemen. Can't wait to see you next week as we break down more sports, NBA, NFL, Ohio University sports. Can't wait for next week, guys. Thank you so much for joining me, and have a great rest of your week.